Second Timothy, Paul's finishing up to Timothy as a young preacher and minister of the gospel. And I've lost my glass. I've lost one of my glasses. Anybody finds it? That that must be God's little for telling that joke, you reckon? I don't know. See if I can find that thing somewhere around here. I don't know. Oh, I just found it. It's down in my pocket here. Do I look funny with one in and one out? Okay, we'll try to put this... (laughs) <laughs> Keep one eye closed. Right. I, I, I want to tell you something. I don't ever want to go to church where we can't have a little bit of fun in the Lord. And I don't want to go to church where that's all they do is have fun in the Lord. But I want to have a little fun in the Lord. I tell you, life's pretty rough out here and pretty mean. The world's a mean place. We need a little place where we can kind of laugh and have a good time in the Lord. But uh, this message today, uh, Paul is writing. He's finishing up chapter four. is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. Paul said, I charge thee, verse number one. Is everybody there with me? Say amen. You can put that, up on, put that up on the board, guys, if you don't care. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. That's both those that are, when Jesus comes, both those that were alive and those that have died at his kingdom and his, his appearing that's come to church in his kingdom. And that's in Matthew there and so forth in 1 Thessalonians. Verse number two, he said, because of this, he said, I want to charge you to preach the word. I didn't call you to preach denominational lines. I want you to preach the word. He said, be instant in season, out of season, whether they like it or don't like it, whether it seems like it's the right time or not. He said, you preach the word. And he said, preaching of the word is going to be involved reproving and rebuking and exhorting with all long suffering and doctrine. Now he said, Timothy, you put up with people, but he said, you reprove sin and, and you rebuke sin and so forth and wrongdoing and disobedience to the word of God. And then don't just do, reprove and rebuke, but you exhort people with long suffering. And that involves loving people. And he said, make sure your doctrine's right. Verse number three said this. He said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And we're there for sure. But after their own lust, and notice that this is the basis for this not enduring, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Boy, oh boy. Man, alive. And verse number four says that and, and this is a pattern throughout the Bible. Because of that, they shall turn away their ears from the truth and, be, and shall be turned unto fables. And he talks about fables in chapter one and, and back there over there. And fables is all these. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, Catholicism has all kinds of fables in it. Mormonism has all kinds of fables in it. Jehovah Witnesses, all kinds of fables are not they're, they're not true. It's not true. And it's not in the Bible. It's just not true. And they tell you things. It's just not true. And they'll turn to fables. But when you reject the gospel of Jesus Christ and you lean to any kind of religion that is uh, self-based, you're going to, that's what's going to happen to you. Well, verse number five says, to, he said, Timothy, he said, you watch thou in all things. He said, endure afflictions. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. He said, don't just pastor the church. But he said, you win people to Christ. And then he said, make full proof of thy ministry. And then Paul comes to this, and this is where he's going to finish up. For I'm now ready to be offered. And he was offered. Uh, he was, uh, history says he was beheaded. We know that Nero there blamed Christians for the, so, a lot of stuff going on there. And they were, they were slaughtering Christians. They were cutting their heads off. They were feeding them to the lions. They were burning them at the stake. And Paul said, he said, my, my journey in this life is over just about. And I'm ready to be offered. And he said, the time of my departure is at hand. So it's not very long. He said, I'm going to be leaving this world. And he said this, I have fought a good fight. 
Christianity and ministry, especially is a fight. I mean, you can say it, Paul talked about being a soldier of the cross and, and we sing that song, am I a soldier of the cross? And he talks, he's just, I fought a good fight. Uh, the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And he said, I finished my course. And you know, I want to encourage you today, I underline that because don't try to finish somebody else's course, finish your course. Your course may not be my course, and my course may not be your course, but we want to finish. I, I told a, a brother Ronnie Simpson here a while back, we hit another time, I said, I just want to finish well. I don't want to get the finish line and do a somersault. I want to finish well. And I hope you'll want to finish well. He said, I have kept the faith. And I want to tell you something. It's, it, the, the devil tried to get you to throw that out. Don't you do that. You keep the faith. Verse number eight, he said, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now listen, crowns are not salvation. Crowns are rewards. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is free and it's eternal. But rewards can be lost. And you're running your race and you get toward the end and you've done it and you mess up. You're not going to get you're not going to get the crown. So there's a difference. You need to understand this. The big difference between rewards as a Christian and being saved. The two, somebody says he went on to his eternal reward as if that, that going to heaven was a reward. Going to heaven is not a reward. It is a gift. Amen. Distinguish between salvation and works as a Christian. Okay. You get saved, that's free. Jesus paid it all. You didn't do any of it. But after you're saved, the, what you do in Christ and labor in Christ, there are five crowns that can be given to a Christian person in the Bible. And Paul's referring to that right here. Now he said, uh, he said, not to, he said, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me in that day and not to me only, but unto all them that love is appearing. Now he's going to say something to Timothy in verse number nine. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. That's a powerful statement. He said, do that diligence. He said, you be sure and you come to me and you do it quick. Because he just got through telling him the time of my departure is at hand. And Timothy was over the mountains. He would have to come over the mountains of Italy to get down to Rome where Paul was at. Because he, watch what he's, we'll go ahead. Now watch verse number 10. Now folks, I'm going to tell you something. He's going to give you the realities of, of, of your life in Christ, of some of the things that's going to happen. Verse number 10 said, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Can I tell you something? The old timers used to say, you'll be lucky if you die with five good friends. I'm talking about real friends. And it'll be unusual if you don't have what you thought was good friends or family to forsake you before you get done with this race. Jesus, there's a reason he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. People will forsake you. Amen. People will fail you. But God will never fail you. He'll never leave you. Demas have to, now once you keep in mind, Paul's in prison and any nice place to be and they're killing Christians. And Demas decided that he didn't love God quite as much as he thought he did. And the Bible says here was his problem. He loved loving this present world. In the book of 1 John that we're going to memorize, the Bible talks about love not the world, neither the things of the world. You're going to have to make up your mind who you love. You either love God or love the world, but you can't love both. God says that clearly. And here's what happens. When the pressure came on of the fact that he could be killed with Paul for his faith, I'm getting out of Dodge. I don't, this isn't what I signed up for. And he left. 
Now he said he's departed unto Thessalonica. Cretans, that's another guy left him, to Galatia. Titus unto Dalmatia. Now I'm not trying to make all these guys out bad, but for some reason they felt like that God called them somebody at somewhere else besides stay around Rome with Paul in prison. Now watch verse number 11. Only Luke is with me. Only Luke. How many people did Paul meet? Look at all the epistles and the churches that he started and all the people he, he met and preached to over the years. And he's dying in prison. And there's one man with him. Can I, be on, can I tell you the honest truth? Reggie may not be there when you die. Very likely I won't be. And you may think Reggie should have come and seen me more. Or my family should have come and seen me more. Or this, that, or the other. But that's just not the reality of life. If you've got that, that's great. That's wonderful. But he said, take Mark and bring... He, he said, uh, Luke is with me. Take Mark... And bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And to Caiaphas have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with me. Why? Winter was coming on. Cold weather was coming on. When thou comest, bring with thee the books, but especially the parchments. The parchments were the scriptures. Okay? Now watch verse 14. Everybody, 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 everybody pay attention to 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Wait a minute, Paul. I thought you said you're supposed to be kind and forgive everybody. Now, Paul's getting ready to die. You know what he does? He mentions somebody did him dirty. He's not putting on a false Christian dog that we see so much. He is acknowledging there was some problems. You look what it says. The Lord record. He said he said he. Alexander the coppersmith did me what, everybody? Much evil. evil. This wasn't no little deal. This guy, I don't know what this guy was doing. Uh, If you look at verse number 15, it says, of whom be thou where also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. He was withstanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know whether he was pretending to be a Christian and trying to say Paul wasn't, Paul didn't have it right. I don't know whether he wasn't a Christian. He was just fighting the gospel. I don't know. But this Alexander the coppersmith caused Paul a lot of trouble in his work and his life. How many has ever anybody caused you a lot of trouble? Anyway, it's, I mean, just it's just like. And Paul brings it up when he's dying. Now, I want you to look at verse 16. If you feel lonely sometimes and you feel abandoned, you don't feel like you got any friends. I want you to read this. At my first answer, no man stood with me. You can come to a place in life where nobody is standing with you. Nobody. And you just want to get this down. This is true life. This is, this is the reality of life. And by the way, this is the end of the road. I wonder how many people would say, oh, I want to go see Paul before he dies because I just want to thank him for giving me the gospel. I wouldn't be saved if it hadn't been for Paul came to our city and preached the gospel. Ain't nobody coming. We need to lower expectations of people. Look to God, not to people. The old saying is, look to the Lord for your reward. He said, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. But now I want you to look what he says. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Now, I'm finishing Timothy. We preached through it. This is where I'm at. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. Lord, do you want this preached this morning or tonight? Or is it like this morning? Okay. I want to encourage all of you to pray that God will not lay to the charge of people that's withstood you or hurt you. This is kind of, we're bouncing off a Sunday school class today. And right now, if you've got the grace of God, I want you just to bow with me. 
and say, Lord, I want you to bring to mind. Now, it ain't that hard, and you know it's not. People that have withstood you, hurt you, or damaged you, or that there's just, you know, and would you pray that God would not lay that? Would you just say, Lord, would you give me grace? I'm going to be obedient to Scripture to do what Paul did. I'm going to pray that you will not lay their sin against me to their charge when, as they stand before you. Y'all try it? Let me tell you, this is Christianity. There's four people in the Bible that God shows that did this. Joseph told his brethren who had done everything but kill him and worse. He told them, he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That's the first thing you need to understand about the people that have withstood you, the people that have hurt you, the people that have damaged you. God could have taken them out of your life. God could have made it where they never even knew you and you didn't know them, but he didn't. And God's going to use the people. The Bible says you're wounded in the house of your friends. The second person is Jesus Christ himself. When he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Watch this, for they know not what they do. You say, they knew what they were doing. They crucified him. No, they did not see the big picture. They, they knew the immediate picture, but they didn't see the big picture that Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah who would come and die. For, and that had to happen. Jesus had to have enemies. Jesus had to have somebody drive the nail through his hand. Jesus had to have somebody put the spear through his side. He had to have, according to Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, someone who would whip him and beat him until he was unrecognizable as a human being. That's part of God's plan. And I'm going to say about you and me, it's part of God's plan that there be people in your life that withstand you and do you much evil. God has a sovereign, overarching purpose in your enemies, in those people that you don't like and that have hurt you. And until you and I rise higher, that's why we're going into 1 John, until we rise higher, we can't see it. But if we let God lift us up and see the eternal picture. Now, sometimes there are some things he's not, you're not going to know why. You won't understand it. You just have to, by faith, accept it. But God wants, Jesus said, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. And God wants you free. And then the, the, the third one was Stephen. And Stephen was literally bit by these men. That's how much they were withstanding him. The Bible said they ran upon him and gnashed on him with their teeth. Do you realize what I'm saying? They bit that man with their teeth. And then they threw him on the ground and they picked up rocks and they literally threw rocks at him, watched his head bust open, the blood come out of his eyes, out of his nose and out of his mouth and die a horrible, wretched death. And you know what Stephen said? Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And there was, watch this. What was God's purpose in allowing Stephen to suffer such a terrible thing and be so wist- He was just preaching. He had preached the entire chapter there chapter 7. There was a man standing over by the name of Saul who was holding the other men's clothes and he watched them kill him and the Bible said he watched him look up into heaven with the face of an angel and Paul was going around killing people. Men and women, the Bible said, for their faith in Christ and Paul saw something supernatural and this is what I'm after. I'll probably never live long, but I would, if I never get there spiritually, I hope some of you kids do. 
Paul, Saul saw something supernatural when he saw a man who was being stoned to death and bitten and stoned to death. Say, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. I want to see these men forgiven. And Lord, on my part, don't hold it against these people. That's wild. That's Christianity. We better get back to it. We better get back to it. We better quit Americanizing Christianity. We better quit carving out a Christianity that's not in the Bible. Now, Paul acknowledged there were people that withstood him, and he didn't like it. He didn't appreciate it, but he finished by saying, I don't want this laid to his charge. The, and this was, this was Paul, the fourth one. You have Joseph, Jesus, Stephen, and Paul. And Paul finished up by saying, Lord, don't lay this to their charge. So I'm going to ask us right now, the people that have hurt you, withstood you, damaged you, I want to ask if you would just bow with me and pray and say, Lord, it's hard to do. I wonder if I even mean it. The Lord has God been my helper this morning. I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to obey the Bible. I'm going to ask you. And God, please do a work in my heart that I can honestly say this and that be my real true desire. There's something happened to me in the last two weeks. I was coming down the highway. It's just like the Holy Spirit just kept pounding this passage of Scripture to me. Pray this. Pray this. Pray this. Pray this. Pray like they prayed in the Bible. And I, I, I'm not trying to be heavy. I'm not at all. I'm just saying these are important things. Lord, we come before you this morning. And God, uh, read this, and it's like looking at the Teton Mountains. It's a steep climb. And Lord, I can't climb it. But Lord, your spirit can do such a work in our hearts. I believe this, Lord. If you can do it in Joseph, if you can do it in Paul, if you can do it in Stephen, you can do it in us. And Lord, we need the freedom and the liberty that comes with this. I pray right now, Lord, in my own life that you would enable me to honestly pray that you would not lay to the charge of those whom you chose to use in my life. Those who may have brought pain and hurt and anger. The Lord helped me to see that Joseph's brothers weren't an accident. And they may have meant it for evil, but you meant it for good. And uh, Lord, those that crucified Christ and whipped him, it wasn't an accident. It was a divine, sovereign occasion. And Lord, without it, we would never have a Savior. Lord Stevens was a divine encounter, Lord, where this principle was put into New Testament practice. And Lord, I believe, I I don't believe, Lord, probably not a soul in this building that's lived very long, but what hadn't been hurt and done dirty 
in some manner, some form, some way. And uh, Lord, I pray, first of all, take all the hatred out of our hearts that might have gemmed up out of hell. And then, Lord, I pray that we could honestly say, as these men said, I pray that it not be laid to their charge. And Lord, I'll be honest with you, I'm not interested in this Mickey Mouse stuff. I'm interested, God, in the real deal. But I also recognize it takes the work of the Holy Spirit. And I just pray that you'd work that into us individually and collectively as a church. And I pray, Lord, that it would redound to the glory of God. Lord, help us to forgive others as we'd like to be forgiven ourselves. And help us, Lord, to see that there's a bigger picture than we often will ever know in this life. And Lord, I think about the old song that the saints sung, we'll understand it better by and by. Help us to know that and accept it and do this by faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My land of living. I'm not even... Let's, let's go ahead here just a little bit and I'll finish out and we'll let you out. Sorry about this. No, I'm not sorry. I'm just, I don't know what I am. Uh, let's go to verse 17 again. Notwithstanding, and I, oh, get a hold of this. The Lord stood with me. <laughs> if nobody else is standing with you, the Lord is, you're all right. Amen. He not only stood with me, he strengthened me. And he did this. He stood with Paul and he strengthened Paul for this reason. That by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles, and I'm one of them people, might hear. <laughs> Brother Lonnie, I'm one of them Gentiles. Amen. And I was delivered, Paul said, out of the mouth of the lion, old devil. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Then he said, salute Prisca and Aquila in the household of Anisiphorus, Erastus abode at Corinth, but Tro- have I left him and lent him sick. Well, shame he didn't know about some of these guys in America today. They'd have took care of his sickness. Amen. They're going to heal everybody except those in the hospital. But I, I don't get mean now, Reggie. <laughs> and then he said this in verse 21, do thy diligence to come before winter. He just got through telling him in an earlier verse, he said, come before winter. Now he says the second time and he's about to close it out. He said, Timothy, come before winter out in the mountains. Right now, they've got a lot of cattle up in high mountains. And did you know something? If they don't bring them down the next few weeks, them cattle ain't coming down. They'll be locked in by the snowstorms and it's over. Paul knew that if Timothy didn't come before winter, he'd never come. And he'd be dead before he could get here. And there's some things he wanted Timothy to get done. I want to preach to you very quickly this morning just some things you need to do before winter comes in your life. Winter can be like, uh, you, can, you can analogize it like your old age. But you know something? Winter came for Ethan at 16 years of age. Winter doesn't mean that you're old or that you're dying. It means that it's kind of the close of your life. And there's some things God wants you to do before winter comes in your life. Number one, God wants you to understand salvation. I want you to understand this. I want everybody listening to me understand this. I may pre- be preaching to the choir, but it's still good news. Jesus Christ died for you on the cross. He was buried to take away your sin. He rose the third day to give you eternal life. That's the gospel. If you'll believe that, God will save you. Amen. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, God will save you. 
And it's free and it's ever, forever. And it's full. You don't add nothing to it. You don't go step by step. You just get saved. God saves you. Everything after that, seek subsequent to that. But it's not part of your salvation. Your salvation is your faith in Jesus Christ. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works as the man should boast. You ought to come to salvation. I want to ask you, have you come to, genuinely come to salvation? You say, Reggie, I went forward when I was a kid. I didn't ask you that. You say, I was baptized. I didn't ask you that. I said, have you come as a repentant sinner to God saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I want to place my faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. I want to trust his blood was shed and that he paid for my sin in his own body on the tree. And you receive Christ as your savior. God will save you. And you may not, you may not feel nothing except an earache. I don't know. But God will save you. Amen. Come to say, it's simple. Quit making it hard. Quit making it a riddle for people. Then I'll tell you what you need to come before winter, and that's assurance to your salvation. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have made it this far if I hadn't had assurance of my salvation. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Man, I'll tell you what, God wants you to know you're saved. Amen? Amen. God's not a tormentor. And before the end of your life, before winter comes, you need to come to dedication. Listen to me. Get dedicated to God. Dedicate yourself to God. My purpose for existence is your glory. You're the reason I live. If I'm milking cows, I'm milking cows to God's glory. If I'm working down at the prison, I'm doing it for God's glory. There's purpose in life when you're doing it as unto the Lord. Get dedicated to God. Then I want to go further with that devotion. Before winter comes in your life, get devoted to God. That you put God above everybody. The biggest trouble I've seen, this I'll tell you the truth, I've been at this a long time. The biggest trouble I've seen with Christian people is when they flip and they start putting people in front of God or jobs in front of God or work in front of God or possessions or pleasure or they put something in place in front of God. It's not that, oh, I still worship God, but this comes before God. Get away from that. Before Before winter comes, you get devoted to God. Let me say something to you. Before winter comes to your life, get a hold of sanctification a work of the Holy Spirit that separates you from this world and separates you unto Jesus Christ. Changes the way that you think, act, dress, look, where you go, what you listen to, changes everything about your life. Believe in old time Bible holiness. Amen. I'm sick to death of these churches. Preachers won't say the word hell. They won't say the word holiness. It's sad. Then I'll tell you something before you die, you better get before winter comes, you better get thinking about service. What can I do for the cause of Christ? What can I do for Jesus' sake? Before you come winter, get settled and get rooted and get grounded in the Word of God. Get steadfast and faithful and unmovable. Before winter comes in your life, study the Word of God. Know the Word of God. That's the only thing you're going to take with you out of this whole world is the Word of God. Before winter comes, get happy. <laughs> Be satisfied. Be content with what you had. Amen. You know something I'd tell you young people? I, I feel sorry for you in a way. You're just hit with everything in the stupid world. You don't look right. You don't look like Hollywood, so you're not, you're not up to it. Every one of you kids, God made you like he made you. Amen. Be happy with who you are. You got a long nose, like it. Amen? Your teeth ain't quite straight. Go to the dentist and get them braces or do what you got to do. But what I'm saying, accept yourself who you are. I'm not Elvis Presley and don't want to be. Amen. Amen. 
Be who you are. Quit trying to be everything they tell you to be. Before winter comes into your life, just say, Lord, you made me. I'm going to be happy. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and that my soul knoweth right well. Amen. Quit trying to be somebody you're not and never will be and never was intended to be. Quit letting them put up the deal. Let Just be who you are. That's the best thing. To what I'm, I'm, I'm totally gut sick of just watching American people just constantly see what's on TV and on Facebook and try to conform themselves to it. It's stupid. Just be who God made you to be before, <laughs> before you die. And then before winter comes, set your affections on things above. Say, man, I'm going to lay my treasures up in heaven. I'm going to set my affections above. And then stand. Amen. Is there not a, before you die, take a stand on something for the word of God. Amen. Is there, David said, is there not a cause? I'm not just floating through life seeing if I can make enough money to go fishing next Sunday. I'm not just trying to see if I can just, you know, listen, have a cause to live and make that cause the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of my people are just burned out all over the country because they don't even know why they're living for. They don't know why they bought this stupid house for. They don't know why they're making these stupid payments for. They, don't, they, they hate that truck they thought they wanted. <coughs> oh, I got to tell you this. Funny. Karen left. Isn't it fun to be 1,300 miles away from home? Your wife's gone. Oh, I felt sorry for myself. <laughs> Not really. I didn't understand it. Until in fact, I said, you're going. I'm out. She was going, but I said, you bet you're going. You're going. Well, how am I going to do? And she tried to tell me, oh, you'll have fun riding around the mountains. It ain't fun riding around the mountains without your wife. I'm telling you right now, it ain't no fun. Amen? Yeah, boy. Oh, look at that. Karen. Karen ain't there. Well, anyway, I seen an auction flyer in a store. <laughs> and, on this, and on this auction flyer, there is old John Deere tractors. Way, way back there. And old hit and miss machines, Danny. I thought about you. I mean, everything old you can imagine. I wish you could see this. This guy was a collector and he's up there about 20 miles from where is that. So I said, well, it's tomorrow Saturday. I think I'll just go to an auction. <laughs> so I pulled in there and air in, I walked, got out of my truck, walked around it, and there's a 1924 Ford Model T ton truck. Original. I go, David looked. Right, <laughs> and then David lusted. But here's what got me. This is what, this is what suckered me. It, I looked on the side. It said 1924 Model T, one ton truck, and this thing is an unbelievable, 99% original. You know what popped in my head? My dad was born in 1924. I said that truck was made the year my. And then it popped in my head. In two years, that truck will be a hundred years old. So I pull out my handy phone. What's the 1924 Model T worth? And I, anyway, make a long story short, I bought that stupid thing. And the first time in my life, have you ever cranked to once start a car like that? I never had either. And I talked to the guy, the son that was handling the estate of his father. His father was handling, he was doing his father's estate. And he told me where the truck come from, what ranch it came off of, and the whole nine yards. And he, I said, hey, start the thing. He says, oh, you don't know. I said, no, I don't know nothing. He said, let me just tell you right now, don't you start driving this thing except in a 40-acre field with nothing in front of you. Said, that's where you start learning to drive this. Don't you start this up and stake down the road. Said, you'll be in the ditch or hit somebody. But he told me how to start it. Now, he said, now, he, he did the little deals. And he said, now, you go around and start it. So I went around front. He said, just crank it. And I'm like, I'm going to get my arm ripped off. I just know this thing's going to go, you know, like that, or knock my teeth out. So I'm like, and I go, and it goes, like, wow, I started this truck. You know something? I say all this to tell you something. 
Now, I, when I, after they, they were selling it and I wound up and he, they, I bought it. I'm like, I'm 1,300 miles from home. I got a stupid truck. What am I going to do with this thing? Somebody said, drive it home, Dodo. You know, yeah, it'll take me eight days, nine, ten days. It runs 25 miles an hour and there are hills where you have to back up with it. All right. But anyway, <laughs> that's the truth. But here's what I want to tell you something. Did you know I had more fun with that? Man, I took pictures of that, bam, 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 bam. I text that to my family. I was having the biggest time. Now, what am I saying about this? Before winter comes, spend some money foolishly. <laughs> How many says, I'm already doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> Have a little fun. Amen. Do you think God's up in heaven going, I don't want you to have any enjoyment out of life. Frown. Feel bad. Enjoy yourself a little bit. Now listen, go fishing, but not every Sunday. You know, go hunting. Just kill it Saturday so you don't have to miss church on Sunday. Amen. Enjoy yourself a lot. Do some things together. You and your wife take that little trip together. Go have a picnic together. Take the kids. Do something with your grandkids. Enjoy life. Life's not going to end just because you, you know what I think Adam and Eve did? I think they just like to walk down through the garden. Amen. God told us to dress and keep the garden. On one side of me, Brother Terry, I'm having more fun in my life than I've ever had because I don't care whether I go to work or not. <laughs> On the other side of life, is, uh, there's a lot of grief. But you know something? God said rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Amen. Now here's where I'm going with this. Before winter comes, put a bunch of junk behind you. Amen. Paul said, putting those things behind and pressing on to the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. There's some things in life you just need to put behind you. You ain't changing it. You're not fixing it. You just put it behind you and live free and go smile and go buy a 1924 truck. (laughs) That'll get you excited. Amen. I'll tell you what I think I'm going to do with that truck. When it gets in here, I'm going to bring it out here to the ball field and I'm going to let all the kids in church drive that truck. And I'm going to watch you parents go. You know why? Because I want to have some fun. Do you know why I ordered an ice cream machine for this church? Because I want these kids to remember going to church and they made ice cream out of an old putt-putt machine and they had a good time and we had a campfire and we played and we ran all over the ball field and we was at church. Amen. Well, I could tell you 42 other things. But I ain't going to. How did I say 42-4? I don't know why I said 42-4. How many wishes I'd throw my notes away? Hey, before, you, before, you, before winter comes, live and laugh and love people and get together and have a good time and put some things behind you. And let me just say this. Before you leave this world, try to win somebody to Jesus. Try to, try, to, try to influence somebody to Jesus Christ. Don't go to heaven. There's an old song, and I'll sing it. I promise you, I'll let you out. When in a better land, before the throne we stand, how deeply grieved our souls may be. If any lost one there should cry out in deep despair, You never mentioned Jesus to me. You never mentioned Jesus to me. 
And you helped me not the light to see. And you met me day by day. And you knew I was astray. Yet you never mentioned Jesus to me. A few sweet words may guide a lost one to his side or turn side eyes on Calvary. And I can't think of the rest of that song, folks, but I'm going to tell you something before before winter comes. Tell somebody how Jesus saved you. Tell him what he's done for you, what he's promised for you, what he's prepared to do for you, what he can do for them. Let's stand together.